Kepa gets dropped. Man City have taken their first step towards a potential quadruple after winning the League Cup final, but it was the behaviour of Kepa that stole the headlines. He infamously refused to be substituted despite suffering from a cramp, leaving Sari looking very angry and halfway down the tunnel. As a result, Kepa has been fined a week's wage and even more importantly was dropped as Chelsea hosted Spurs at Stamford Bridge. Willy Caballero was preferred between the sticks and while he wasn't overly tested, he was calm and collected when called into action as Chelsea earned a much-needed 2-0 win over their North London rivals. Marcos Alonso Chelsea kept a clean sheet, although they didn't concede a shot on target, but more importantly, Sarri's players looked far more motivated and gave the impression they were really fighting for their manager. Aggressive tackling and swift passing were the order of the day. It's also worth noting that Alonso, a player who has gotten a lot of stick from Chelsea fans recently, has found himself out of the side and stayed on the bench for the cup final on Sunday. That now looks to be a great masterstroke from Sarri, who reinstated Alonso to the starting eleven against Spurs and was rewarded with a much-improved display that includes four tackles, more than any defender on the pitch, and three aerial duels won, more than any Chelsea player on the night. The exact parts of his game Alonso has been most criticised for. Where did it all go wrong for Trippier? When Kieran Trippier curled that free kick into the top corner against Croatia in the World Cup semi-final, many people began to label him as one of Europe's best fullbacks, a culmination of his rise under Pochettino's management. Since then, however, Trippier has suffered from the weight of expectation. He has been desperately poor defensively for Spurs, especially in terms of his positioning and playing out from the back. Against Chelsea, his clearances rarely ended up where he intended and his touch repeatedly robbed Tottenham of any momentum going forward. It only got worse from there. Lloris rightly took some stake for failing to give Trippier his signal before he scored his horrendous own goal, but the defender could have taken control of the situation even if it meant risking losing possession by blasting the ball up the pitch, instead of waiting for his goalkeeper to do so. Trippier has also flattered to deceive going forward. Often praised for his crossing ability, he has begun to adopt a quantity over quality approach. He attempted far more crosses than any other player on the pitch against Chelsea with eight, but was only successful with three of them. An extended period out of the starting lineup may actually do Trippier some good, but the competition isn't exactly a viable long-term option. Christian Eriksen Tottenham didn't manage a single shot on target against Chelsea. It's the first time they failed to do so in a Premier League game since a shameful 5-0 home defeat to Liverpool in December of 2013, a loss that resulted in the sacking of Andre Villas-Boas. Wednesday's failings are in no way comparable to those of that Villas-Boas side, a desperately unconfident colourless team who following Bale's exit played some of the most uninspiring football Spurs fans have seen in the 21st century. Failing to land a shot on goal at Stamford Bridge 
can primarily be put down to Chelsea's newfound resilience, provoked by talk of a crisis following the Kepa situation. But Tottenham's inability to create meaningful chances was also a factor, and debatably, much of that was prompted by Eriksen's indifferent form. The Dane, who was instrumental in this fixture last season, didn't create a single chance for a teammate and was unusually quiet throughout. The same can be said for his display at Burnley, leading to inevitable concerns over whether his contract situation is becoming a distraction. Eriksen's current deal expires at the end of next season, and there has been talk of a move to Real Madrid. If Spurs are confident of extending Eriksen's contract, they would be wise to get it sorted sooner rather than later to avoid further patchy form. Mixing up substitutions Kovacic for Barkley, Barkley for Kovacic. Sounds familiar? Sari has swapped Kovacic for Barkley or vice versa 19 times in 34 games across all competitions. One of the main criticisms towards the Italian's approach has been his stagnant predictability, and nothing signifies that more than this tired, overused, and largely useless substitution between two players with similar skill sets. In the last three games, though, things have looked a little different. The 3 0 win over Malmo last week was extremely experimental, with Sari fielding Kovacic in Jorginho's number six role with Barkley and Kante flanking him. This was largely due to the former Napoli boss wanting to rest some key players ahead of the League Cup final, but nevertheless did give the likes of Loftus-Cheek and Ethan Ampadu some vital minutes from the bench. What has stood out though is the fact that Loftus-Cheek has since come on from the bench in Chelsea's last two games, replacing Barkley for extra time at Wembley on Sunday and coming on for Kovacic against Spurs on Wednesday. Loftus-Cheek is a raw talent, but is far more direct and aggressive with the ball than the aforementioned pair. Bringing the 23-year-old on adds a lot more drive and attacking intent, completely stepping away from the possession obsession that has defined Chelsea this season, and making them far more unpredictable. An old dog with new tricks. Take one look at Chelsea's defensive line in the 6-0 defeat to City or the 2-0 FA Cup defeat to Man United and you will see it was suicidally high. A high line is understandable, compressing the space between your lines to make your team harder to play through, forcing the long ball. However, for one reason or another, it just hasn't worked out for Chelsea, highlighted by them conceding 15 goals in an 8-game run from January to February. According to reports, Chelsea's players insisted they defend deeper, while Sarri himself admitted it was something he had been considering. The players asked to defend deeper, and I think we have to play like that. I said the same thing on Sunday, he said after the win over Tottenham. We are more solid like this, and we still express ourselves and play good football, so why not continue this way? Against Spurs on Wednesday as well as Sunday's cup final, there was a remarkable difference in the starting positions of Rüdiger and Luis. Instead of being camped perilously close to the halfway line during the opposition's build-up play, the centre-back pairing retreated toward the edge of their own box, 
cutting out killer balls over the top of their defensive line. In turn, Jorginho and his midfield partners have dropped back with them to turn Chelsea into a much more solid, narrow block, more reminiscent of a 4-2-3-1 than an aggressive 4-3-3. This tighter unit allowed Jorginho more cover and finally brought the best out of his considerable ball-playing skills. It isn't Simeone's 4-4-2 at Atletico Madrid, but it's far more functional for a team leaking goals and breath of confidence. As a result, Sarri has seen a side keep three clean sheets in three games during normal time, conceding just three shots on target, all against City. The biggest point to take from all this though is the fact that Sarri, who has played a possession-obsessed 4-3-3 since time began, has finally shown that he's willing to rip up the copybook and change system, personal and ethos to deliver results, hold on to his job and deliver success. That delivers an exciting prospect of unpredictability for Chelsea fans, and who knows where it could take them.